This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. And this is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us today. Ahead on our midweek program, one of my favorite topics, dogs. Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums speaks with Bill Berloni. He's a Tony Award winner and the animal director for Annie. We'll hear more about his work in our second half hour. First today, farmers depend on hay to feed livestock, and equestrians need specific forage for horses. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports about 75% of Arkansas hay and other pasture fields were deemed in poor or very poor condition in August 2022, according to USDA's Crop Progress Report. Now, as some Arkansas farmers harvested or are gearing up for their first cutting of hay, the state is no longer in a drought. An ink-black Arabian horse who completed his ride for the day treads from the arena into the stable after rain begins to fall heavier. He is guided into a stall to have the saddle on his back unfastened, body brushed, hooves picked, and mane combed. This grooming is a ritual after every ride, but now it is also in preparation for a competition this weekend. Horses like this one go for thousands of dollars, but Shannon Blanchard, owner of Cedar Springs Equine Center, got him on a deal. This is the best free horse in the world. Wow. Some lady paid 30000 for this horse, and he didn't win at nationals, and she gave him to me. 30, she said, I heard you had a good kids program. Would you like this horse? I said, yeah. The Equine Center is home to 29 horses. Many of them compete, are competition veterans, and are involved in teaching people to ride. After being introduced to all of the horses in the stable, we then walk to the center's arena and greet more. Yeah, my daughter rides her quite a bit. She gets her out and lunges her, rides her, walks her around and grazes her and brushes her. They have a good bond. It's very cute. This one we've been told is borderline metabolic, so she has to be fed carefully, too. Horses are continuous grazers and eat specific forage. Because of this, Blanchard feeds the animals regularly to avoid stomach ulcers. She says, like pro athletes, many competition horses are on special diets to get needed nutrients. This includes hay. Lots of it. We go through of square bales, 100 bales every four to six weeks. Yeah, and then outside we have round bales, which I feed. It's the same hay as my squares. It's all good quality Bermuda. And until the grass is growing really good, they get round bales in every pasture all winter. Equine centers like Cedar Springs and countless other Arkansas farmers and ranchers depend on the hay crop to keep animals healthy. Thousands of farmers grow their own supply. But when crops fail to produce the forage, they buy hay. This is where Alan Moore comes in. Uh, we're just fixing to start bailing hay. All right, very so, cool. If you want, we can walk over here and be in the shed where in case it starts raining. Moore is a producer and owner of NWA Hay and Straw Sales in Lincoln. It's a colder, wet day in the town, and hay is being hauled in to be rebailed in the large semi-open air barn. Moore's company provides hay hailing from Arkansas and other states like New York to farmers and equine centers such as Cedar Springs. 
He says hay is in demand, and they will probably bale 1,000 to 1,500 bales today. Um, approximately two years ago, uh, we started this business, and it's just continued to grow and grow. I mean, the word gets more out about that we're here, what we're doing, so we keep getting more customers that way. Um, this last year with the drought also brought in some more customers that normally would buy hay locally or from their neighbor or whoever it be or grow their own. They just didn't have it last year. While Moore is talking, large square bales of hay are brought into the barn. The bales will be put on a belt, disassembled, and then rebaled into smaller squares. Moore says this process happens three days a week, then the hay is delivered or his customers pick it up. Because it's not exactly easy. It's, um, but we decided we want to do it and we've done it. Although the drought has cleared Arkansas, James Lee Mitchell, an agriculture economics professor at the University of Arkansas, says many producers feel increased pressure to have a good crop this year. I think, you know, the outcomes of not having a great another drought, for example, would be magnified. We don't need to get into all of this now, but cattle prices are as good as they've been in 10, 12 years. And so producers really, really, really do not want to be in a spot where they have to sell off more cows because of a lack of forage, given how strong prices are right now. Economists estimate there are about 1.8 million acres of hay in the state, and the total loss for the pasture and hayfield production from this past summer is about $97 million, according to a 2022 Friar report. Most of Arkansas was not in a drought during this time in 2022, and Mitchell says from an economic standpoint, it's important to know what could happen in the next few months is fluid. I mean, you can't compare year to year, at least I'm not comfortable comparing year to year on weather saying, oh, well, we were also fine last year and look what happened. I, I don't think that's a fair comparison to make, um, at least as an economist, not a climatologist. So it's hard to say just because of what we're looking at now means that the same thing could happen as what happened last year. I mean, it's important to, to obviously keep things into perspective. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art invites guests to experience the final spring month of Listening Forest by artist Raphael Lozano Hemmer. This outdoor nighttime interactive experience includes eight immersive installations activated by visitor participation. Listening Forest is on view until May 28th. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. Coming up soon on Ozarks at Large, a new music festival is at Mount Sequoia this weekend with an emphasis on developing future artists. So they wanted to create a program and festival that would tell the, empower the next generation. We'll hear from Jessica DeBarry in about 20 minutes, right here on Ozarks at Large. Every day at KUAF, we ask questions. That's a good question. I think right now... Uh, yeah, that's that's a really good question. I, oh, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I so... That's a good question, and I wish I had more data for you. But. Yeah, it's a good, really good question, like how it's different. Yes, yeah. that is a terrific question. Asking the questions that matter to get you the answers you need. You can help keep Public Radio curious when you donate. Give online 
at supportkuaf.com. And thanks. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The Fayetteville Police Department began operating out of its new police station that opened on Monday. The location has three buildings, one for the main department, one for training, and an indoor firing range. The department has worked out of its old station near the Fayetteville Square since 1993, and it was at capacity. It cost nearly $37 million to pay for the new location through a bond issue voters approved four years ago on the ballot. Construction began on the 82,500-square-foot facility in February of 2021. The new police headquarters is located at 1800 North Stephen Carr Memorial Boulevard. The Northwest Arkansas National Airport is taking a closer look at denaxation from Heifel. The city in Benton County has been home to the airport for nearly 30 years. Brian Burke, General Counsel and Director of Compliance for XNA, says the new Senate Bill 414, signed into law by the governor in April, will allow the Airport Authority Board to vote on leaving the municipality. And what that does is it, it gives us the ability to de-annex without having to annex into another municipality. We don't have to do that, but the board can vote by, by a two-thirds majority to, to file a petition to, to de-annex if it so chooses. He says currently a 2% sales tax, close to $600,000 annually, from the airport goes to Heifel. He says none of that revenue is spent on the airport. You know, we had leading into COVID, over $250 million worth of capital improvement projects on our radar with no firm funding sources. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, an increased employment level. We need to be able to provide increased parking. We need to be able to provide uh, additional public safety employees, such as police officers, fire departments. Uh, those markets are very competitive right now. Every dollar we get helps offset those expenses. Senate Bill 414, however, would not allow the airport to levy and collect a sales tax on its own. While city officials from Heifel have said de-annexation would cripple the city's economy, Burke disagrees. Heifel has, Planning Commission has uh, approved plats for subdivisions that will bring in uh, dozens of new homes, that's dozens of new residential water customers. With that growth, surely will come some sort of you know commercial development, whether that's additional convenience stores or small retail establishments or whatever. That growth, you know, rising tide raises all boats, they say. Um, here in Northwest Arkansas, the, the tide is steadily rising. He says XNA has reached out to Heifel officials to negotiate next steps. He says the next airport board meeting is scheduled for June. Lyon College in Batesville is moving forward with its plan to build a dental and veterinary school in downtown Little Rock. Yesterday, in a meeting of the Little Rock Rotary Club, school officials described the building design and curriculum plans for the school. The two schools will be built near the 6th Street Corridor in the headquarters of Heifer International. Merritt Dake is CEO of One Health Companies, which is partnering with Lyon College on the effort. He says there is a need right now for more veterinarians. Just in general in veterinarians, in the veterinary world, there is a huge shortage everywhere. So I think they estimate by 2025 there will be 140,000 short for small animal vets. 
and they'll be about 14,000 short for large animal vets, um, which as a percentage of number of vets, it's pretty similar. The vet school will include instruction in large animals. Lion College President Melissa Taverner says the veterinary school also plans to offer hands-on experience as part of its curriculum. The basic sciences, the didactic part of the education, will take place here in Little Rock at, at, the, at, the, at the grad schools. Um, but then once the students are prepared, and they, ha- they will be vetted by the faculty for a certain level of hand skills and, and clinical experience, that, at that point they will be able to sort of go through something that's like a rotation. School officials say they continue to work to earn accreditation and hope to start breaking ground in August. The University of Arkansas Fort Smith announced yesterday a $1 million investment from ABB to provide support with advanced manufacturing education. ABB is a technology company focusing on electrification and automation who has built a continued partnership with the university to build education and workforce programs and skills in advanced manufacturing. The programs aim to improve new skills for students, adult learners, displaced workers, and veterans. Speaking of universities, it's commencement season. John Brown University will host its commencement this Saturday, May 6th at 10 a.m. in Bill George Arena. UAFS will host its spring and summer 2023 commencement ceremonies on Saturday, May 13th at the Stubblefield Center. Northwest Arkansas Community College will be celebrating at the Walmart Amp in Rogers on Tuesday, May 16th at 4 p.m. University of the Ozarks in Clarksville will host its commencement ceremonies on Saturday, May 13th on the Campus Mall. And the University of Arkansas will extend over two days, Friday, May 12th through Saturday the 13th, for both undergraduate and graduate students in Bud Walton Arena and Barnhill Arena. The number 6 Razorback baseball team lost last night in extra innings to Lipscomb University 8-6 at Dickey Stevens Park in North Little Rock, bringing their record this season to 33-12. Arkansas returns to SEC play on Friday when they travel to Starkville to play a three-game series against Mississippi State. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. Annie returns to Walton Arts Center Friday night for a three-day, five-show run. The familiar elements will be there. Annie, Hard Knock Life, Daddy Warbucks, Tomorrow, and Sandy, the dog. Sandy takes cues from one of the most respected people to work with animal actors, Bill Berloni. His work has earned him a Tony. Last week, Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellums talked with him about his career and asked if it's easier to direct animals than people. I found in my career it's much easier to work with animals, and I feel very fortunate that I have the privilege to be able to do that. Um, basically, because animals don't have cognitive thought process, they, they live on behavioral instincts, which are very simple. Things are black, things are black and white. So unlike humans who have a whole myriad of other things going on with their head, in an animal, a dog or a cat is like, either I like it or I don't. So 
if they don't like something, then it's just, you know, you go on that quest to try and figure out, well, what is it that will make you like doing this behavior? When I work with the humans involved, it's like, um, okay, well, we're here for rehearsal. Um, please leave your marital <laughs> problems outside the room. <laughs> please leave your nerves out the room. Please leave your psychosis out the room. And let's just try and focus on, you know, learning a new language to work with an animal. So um, the animal skill set comes from just learning to speak another language and one that's much simpler than human English. So I've always found that the fun part is working with the animals. And then the harder part comes in <laughs> introducing them into the human world of the theater, you know, or the set or the stage. So, Yes. I mean, it's I, I would imagine it's one thing to, to work with a dog like Sandy and get them to the mm-hmm. marks. But then but then you're in front of, you know, you're, you're on stage in front of a thousand people or so. And can that add a different element into what you have been working on with with your canine partner? Oh, tremendously. You know, um, you, people say, ask me, can you teach an animal, can you train a dog to do anything? And I'm like, no, you can't. Because <laughs> just like people, we all have personalities and backgrounds. So if so, I could teach someone how to tap dance, but if they don't have the personality or the background to be on stage in front of thousands of people, they can't do it. So it's the same thing. You know, we pick dogs who have the personality who will, work well in sort of stressful situations and are friendly with everybody. And having been an actor myself, I knew when I first got the assignment with Sandy that there's no second takes. It's got to happen each night, every time. So my training philosophy was not how do I force an animal to do stuff? It's like, how do I create a situation where the animals do the same thing every night? And basically you make it fun. You, have them interact with people they love, and then there's some good reward at the end of it. And once you set that pattern, they will do the repetitive behaviors in the show every night until some other outside force distracts them. And now, you know, it's like when your dogs learn to walk through Times Square and don't hear all that noise and commotion, you know, so after a while, the dogs become desensitized to the audience because they really don't interact with them. They just make noise. So, um, yeah, so it's actually really easy to get the animals to do the same thing every night as opposed to the actors again who may be distracted by some other element going on how important is it that you communicate with the humans who will be doing the scene whether it's a movie or a play that they do the things that enable your animal client to do the things it's supposed to do i i think the secret to my success in terms of training was um I recognized that whoever was handling the animals on stage had to have the same relationship that I did with them. You know, I can't say to a dog, go listen to that person. That person has to say, listen to me. And what motivates an animal to listen to them is that we teach the actors how to be trainers. You know, we teach them the basic commands and how to enforce them. Um, But we also create a bond, you know? So if you have somebody who's willing to do that, it's a, great experience, but I can't, I would say probably 80%, 20% of the time, they will cast people who have never had a dog. They've cast cast people who are allergic to dogs. And I, and I'll look at the director and producer and go, well, this isn't going to happen. You know, (laughs) I guess you didn't read that part in my contract that's and make sure that they've had experience with animals. So again, you, you would think it's simple, but 
uh, my dogs are trained to listen to myself and another person who's kind to them. Mm -hmm. And that's what's different than the way that I train as opposed to like a competitive competition trainer who's like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. So, How important is it that a dog like Sandy or any dog, especially in in a production that travels and does multiple shows, you let her or him know that you've done a good job tonight. Does, does does that happen when they come run off stage or at the end of the show? It happens after every behavior. Mm. Believe it or not, um, the the reward is love. Mm. You know, and people are very quick to like tell their dogs, "Don't do that! Don't do that! Don't do that!" But they never say, "Good boy, good boy, good boy" throughout the day in their lives. You know, so the reason our dogs are so on point is that every time they do something correct, we give them love. And when they don't, they don't get the love or the reward. So it becomes again, black and white. So after every behavior you will see, well, I'm giving away the secrets, but you will see the actor or in this case, Annie lovingly pet the dog. That's all it takes. If you've developed that relationship where the dog really loves you, then all they're looking for is your, your affection. So we sort of build that into the characterization, whether it's Annie or it's Elle Woods from Legally Blonde or it's Dorothy Gale from The Wizard of Oz. I mean, every time they do, even if they sit there and stay, that's a command. And so when they pick them up, they give them a little extra love for having sat there during Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. So, um, so, so yes, they, they are um, rewarded each and every time they do a behavior on stage. It's interesting because... You know, they're like the other actors. They've got to hit marks and they've got to do the right thing. But also you don't want, I guess, if you're the director or the actors, you don't want the animal to necessarily upstage. You want the narrative to continue. So there, I'm imagining a balance of of how the animal is to interact in a scene. Yeah, I mean, and what's – well, we never give them – the freedom to do that, mm. you know, and when I work with an actor who's going to work with one of our dogs, I, I explain to them, you're like a ventriloquist. You're actually controlling the action of your co-actor who happens to be a dog, but acting like you don't know what's going to happen. So if the dog starts scratching its ear while she's singing tomorrow, she knows to gently like, you know, put the paw down and scratch the ear. I mean, so there's, there's contingencies built within so that we can keep the action moving. Um, and yeah, I mean like uh, some shows, like when we do somewhere with the uh, rainbow, it's like we want Toto to sit, sit still and not move. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll do that, but you have to stop everybody from moving backstage. Nobody can move. Nobody can make a sound because guess what? They're going to look at that sound. Uh-huh. So if you can give me a quiet environment, the dog will just look at Dorothy. I mean, so there are ways to control that, um, you know, and sometimes it's harder in a touring company like this where you're playing many cities because it's like you train one crew to be quiet and then in five days you're in another city <laughs> right. with another crew. So it puts a little more um, responsibility on the actors to keep the dog focused. When you are hired or, or there's a perspective that someone may be – asking for your services, let's say for any, mm-hmm. do you look at the script and go, okay, now that might be a bit more of a challenge or okay, if you want this to happen, we'll have to do this. Do you kind of go over the script with a fine tooth comb? Yes. I mean, and what's 
what I was lucky enough to do was to, to train the first animal ever to play a character in a play that the action depended upon, mm. you know, like there's a dog in Camelot that comes out with King Pelinor that can be cut. There's a dog in anything goes that can be cut. Uh. You know, there, there have been roles in the past that even Oliver, you know, you can do Oliver without bullseye, sure. Bill Sykes dog, you know, and it, and it doesn't change the story. Annie, <laughs> you can't do Annie without Sandy. So I've gotten, I have this wonderful career now where people will send me scripts and I encourage them to like throw it all at me, throw me all your wishes, all your dreams, and then go back to the creator and say, well, I can help you, but these are the things that are actually doable on stage. And if a, if a producer or writer is not interested in working from my suggestions, I wish them good luck and um, I hope everything goes well, you know? So it's, it, I really get involved from the very beginning. Uh, again, helping people understand what is doable. Like I was asked to do the Roy Rogers musical and train trigger to be on stage. And I kept saying to them, you can't have a horse on stage. You can't. I mean, for years they've been, I'm like, you can't have a horse on stage. 12 years later, the show's moving ahead with a animatronic horse uh, and I'm so happy for them. Yeah. You know, but again, I'm not going to do anything that's inhumane to animals right. or unsafe for humans. So, um, but yeah, it, the fun part is figuring out how, how do you get Toto to lay on her back? Like she's in the poppy seat, you know, passed out. Right. So, I mean, those are the sort of fun things you, you get to do. Um, so, you know, I, 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 when you go to your webpage, you see, Toto with Dorothy, you see uh, Sandy. But then I see something that makes me think, oh my gosh, here's some pressure. There's a picture, there's an image of Beyonce with a snake. It looks like it's for an advertisement. I cannot imagine mm -hmm. what it's like to be asked, can you give us a snake that can be on one of the most treasured entertainers in the world and have that go well? That sounds... Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was that like? Um... Well, back in the 70s, do you remember uh, uh, a Calvin Klein ad of a young model named Natasha Kinski? Mm. With a, she was lying on her side with a snake wrapped between her legs. The teenage me may have had that a poster of that. Okay. Right, right. Uh, that was my first snake job. And I never wanted to be an animal trainer. I agreed to train Sandy for my equity card to be in a play. But I loved my animals. And so... Um, I recognize that one terms of animal cruelty is ignorance. Mm -hmm. So I was not about to embark on this career going, Oh, I'll get a snake and figure it out, or I'll get a horse and figure it out. Or, you know, so I hire experts and, you know, we have entomologists that work for us who, you know, raise certain reptiles or spiders to be hand tamed, you know, cause they take them to schools and demonstrations. And so if you could take a snake into a school and it doesn't harm a child, it's not going to harm anybody right. on a set, you know, as opposed to somebody who has a snake in a tank, you know, and they go, oh, I'll bring my cobra. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, um, but no, it's all safety first. Uh, it's always safety first. And if we feel there's a risk, then I will graciously, you know, decline doing the job. And finally, you know, I'll go home tonight to my dog, a rescued Australian cattle dog named Daisy, who doesn't really do any tricks. But that doesn't matter because mm -hmm. what it's ultimately about is a relationship. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, people will say to me, you know, your dogs are so well-trained. and You know, I'll ask them, I'll go, well, do you have a dog? Yes. Are you happy with your dog? Does it work in your lifestyle? Yes. I went, well, then you have a star, too. <laughs> you know, it doesn't... Uh, fame shouldn't affect, you know, the way our we interact with our animals. You know, and if you have a well-trained pet and every, you're happy with it, and God bless you, it's a rescue then, you know, I'm just as happy for you uh, having found that right dog for your, for your right lifestyle. Well, I appreciate your time so much. This is so interesting, and uh, we cannot wait to see Sandy on stage at the Walton Art Center. Yes, this is a great tour. It's actually been directed by uh, one of the original orphans from the Broadway company. I, I worked with Jen Thompson when she was 10 years old, and now she's my boss. So... Um, <laughs> So it's it's a real homage to the original production, and uh, it's it's just glorious. And I hope everybody enjoys it as they have for decades. So, well, thank you so much for your time, and congratulations on what continues to be a wonderful career. Yep, I'm 66, and people are saying to me, "When am I going to retire?" And at this point, I'm like, "Retire? I'm still having too much fun." So. Um, Yes, I'm very blessed to be able to continue to have this wonderful career and help animals and people. Bill Berloni is the animal director for Sandy the Dog in the touring production of Annie. Annie will be at the Walton Arts Center for five shows beginning Friday night. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, studies show ketamine infusion therapy can reduce suicidal ideation and is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. drkathleenwong.com for more information. Fayetteville Public Television offers classes in video production plus accessibility to equipment and broadcast channels to share your videos with a viewing audience. Serving all residents of Washington and Benton County. Fayetteville Public Television can help people turn video ideas into reality. FAYpublic.tv for more information. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, we visit Van Buren, where Tyson Foods recently announced they'll be closing a poultry processing plant, and workers went on strike. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and at 7 p.m. You can also listen to the Ozarks at Large podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. And keep up to date with Ozarks at Large every weekday morning in your email inbox. Subscribe to our newsletter today and never miss a story. You can do that at KUAF.com slash newsletter. On the next episode of The R Word, we hear from author Greg Thompson from the discussion of his book, Reparations, that took place at the Fayetteville Public Library in April, in which he outlines the threefold theft of truth, power, and wealth that's been taken from Black Americans since this country's founding, and how reparations give us a path to reconciliation through restoring what has been stolen. And so I just, I just want to say as, as clearly as I can, personal repentance, racial reconciliation, even discrete institutional form are all important. But until America owns up to the truth and says, we want to be a community of reparations, we will never heal. But if we do that, I believe that we can. Listen to The R Word for free at KUAF.com and anywhere 
you get your podcasts. You can find The R Word, Resilient Black Women, The Beloved Community, Undisciplined, and the rest of our lineup of podcasts produced and distributed here at KUAF on our website, kuaf.com slash podcasts. It's the Community Spotlight on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. Happy to be joined by Sarah Rack in the Nancy Blair Operation Studio. Sarah, event organizer with Washington Elementary's PTO, specifically their tour of homes coming back after a three-year hiatus. First of all, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. We're going to get into the specifics of this year's tour of homes. That's coming up May 6th. But first, I want you to remind listeners, as we said, COVID uh, hit y'all hard. Y'all have not done this for three years now. So there may be some listeners who don't know about the rich history of this event. And I wanted you to kind of talk about that. Uh, this is something that the Washington Elementary here in Fayetteville has done for how long now? This will be our 17th tour of homes. Okay. So it's been 20 years ago that a group of the PTO recognized the fact that our Washington Elementary families uh, had homes in some of the most beautiful areas in Fayetteville, in Washington Willow Historic District, in Wilson Park, in Mount Sequoia, and said, what a great opportunity for us to showcase this home, these homes as a fundraiser. But also want to say, you know, it's not always those kind of classical or older homes. I love how y'all incorporate some modern stuff as well. It's the old homes, but it's also some of the newer homes with some neat design features. Um, like one of our homes this year is the home of Leanne and Chris Barabow of Moda Studio. And you can imagine it's a very unassuming home on Mount Sequoia from the outside, but when you go inside, it is stunning. It's two doors down from the overlook and the view that they have and what they did with the architecture is so wonderful. So it's just lovely to to be able to showcase not only old homes, but really just neat homes in our area. The two homes that are piquing the most interest are the two homes on Mount Nord. We okay. have three Mount Nord and five Mount Nord, and um, both of them are just stunning homes. I have not been inside yet, and I cannot wait to see them. And I think those are the type of homes that people really drive by and are like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine what it looks like inside. Very, very cool. Again, the annual tour of homes from Washington Elementary here in Fayetteville. Say annual. It's been away for three years, so I know y'all are glad this is back. Uh, this is May 6th. Uh, it'll be a self-guided tour, correct? Yes, it is. So anywhere between 12 uh, p.m. and 5 p.m., uh, ticket holders can go into the homes in any order during any time um, during that 12 to 5 uh, time block. You can see all the homes. You can see two of the homes. It's up to you. And and then there's uh, a pamphlet that tells all the history of the home and some of the key features and uh, just makes it a, a fun event, to a great afternoon, and we're praying for good weather. A major, the major fundraiser, I believe, for Washington Elementary. I know that since Bike Blues and Barbecue has gone away, there was the, the parking lot and the parking, which I know uh, got y'all so much great support. So this is very important uh, for the school. I know it is. Yes, it is very important, especially after COVID. Our reserves have been very depleted as we didn't, we weren't able to do the fundraisers, but we still really needed to support our teachers and our staff and the students during that time. So these fundraisers have become more important than they've ever been. And um, this tour of homes is our biggest fundraiser. And we're glad to be able to do that, especially after when Bikes, Billies and Barbecue moved away, we haven't been able to do that parking, which we love the things that allow us to uh, lean on our community, not just the the families at Washington. So it's been it's it's 
it's an exciting event, and we're we're looking forward to bringing it back. The feel of that school just has community written all over it. It really does. It's such a great mix of racially and socially economic divide of people. And so it just allows us to create this wonderful community, especially the size, because it's smaller and right in the heart of Fayetteville. It's it's just a lovely, lovely school. It's hard to describe until you've actually been there and get to be a part of it. Sarah Rack, event organizer for the Washington Elementary Tour of Homes. This is May 6th. It's been away for three years. You'll want to get your tickets now. How do we do that? Tickets are available on our website. It is uh, FayettevilleTourOfHomes.com. It links you to Eventbrite to buy tickets. Or you can come visit uh, French Metro Antiques on Dixon Street. And uh, they have their tickets in person, either cash or check there. Uh, You can also get them the day of the tour at any of the homes. Okay. Uh, Sarah Rack, event organizer with the Fayetteville Tour of Homes. Again, coming up May 6th. Uh, That's this Saturday, by the way. Uh, Thanks for letting us know about this. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You bet. The Community Spotlight and KUAF, your voice matters. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. A new festival premieres this Saturday on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Kyle Kellams talked with Jessica DeBarry, the Director of Creative Spaces at Mount Sequoia, about Amplify and the festival name's unusual spelling. Amplify. It's Amplify. A little long M. It's a double M because AMMP stands for Arts and Music Mentorship Program. So it's because the festival has been built through a mentor-mentee program. And that leads me directly to what I want to talk about. (laughs) Music and art, we'll get to there. But let's talk about mentoring because that's not a part of every festival. Uh, No, it is not. It is very unique to this festival. So um, the inspiration for this festival actually came from Roger Barrett and Lee Wood, uh, who were a part of Artemis back when in Fayetteville, they really built an amazing artist community and many All of kinds those of art. music yes visual, music visual yeah. fashion and many of the people who were a part of Artemis went on to become leaders in Northwest Arkansas in arts and culture organizations um, so they wanted to create a program and festival that would tell the empower the next generation to take the lead in terms of creating cultural events in Northwest Arkansas. So they, and you know, many third spaces have disappeared in the last several years in Northwest Arkansas. Um, The, you know, backspace, most recently Roots closed, although hopefully there will be a new iteration. Yeah, Yeah, uh, so the Walmart Foundation created a Bridging and Belonging grant And we were lucky enough to receive that grant. And that grant was focused on really filling the gap of those third spaces where people would have normally had a natural sort of mentorship. You know, you would go to a show at Backspace, meet older artists and and get to know them and how they got to where they are. And uh, many of those gathering spots that allow young up-and-coming artists to meet and I'm not saying just visual artists but artists in any field to meet older uh, more experienced artists Uh, we wanted to fill that gap Um, 
This is it. One of my favorite spots in Northwest Arkansas. I love Mount Sequoia. <laughs> oh, I thank you. I love it too. <laughs> I just, you know, whether I'm there by myself or I'm walking my dog or I'm mm-hmm. attending an event, help help me picture how it's going to look. Oh well, I actually brought a map. <laughs> Help, help the people listening to us. <laughs> so how it's going to look is they're going to come through the the front gates uh, Which, from Assembly Drive, yep. uh, and they will park and around noon and hopefully hang out from noon to midnight with us. And we will have activations all over campus. There will be an art market happening at Cottage Circle in the early part of the day. There's a major immersive installation in Miller Lodge. We're actually calling it Art Lodge for the day, and that's sponsored by Experience Fayetteville. And there will be some really interesting uh, panel discussions that have been put together, actually, by Lee Wood. Who is our general manager, (laughs) Kate. Yes. um, That will bring together some some amazing experts, people like uh, Brian Crown from Georges, to to talk with young musicians about how they really go about getting a show. You know, how do you get to your point, to get yourself to a point where you can have a performance there? So that those panel discussions will be really key for the young creatives who want to be a part of the future of culture in in Northwest Arkansas. Um, as we move later into the evening, we're going to be moving towards more music performance in Clap Auditorium. In the evening, there will be Bonnie Montgomery and Adam Fawcett. At sunset, we're going to have a lovely performance at Vesper Point uh, from Justin Peter Kinkle Schuster. Well, I love, yes. <laughs> he's a wonderful singer. Uh, he's also one of our mentors in the program. And in the later evening, we're going to have a series of really amazing emerging talents in rap. In the Bailey Center, we'll have uh, Sulo, JT London, Tylo May, Leek. I hope that's everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a festival. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. so there will be music going on at different places at different times. Yes, throughout the day. And there will be art going on throughout the day at different times. There will also be dance happening throughout the day. This group of dancers called Inhabit Dance, they're led up by Heidi Alsdorf, will be performing kind of at in-between spaces throughout campus the day of since we – Hopefully, we'll have good weather. I was going to say. <laughs> if it's good weather, they'll be wandering around. Gotcha. If it's not, they'll be in venues. Uh, you <laughs> mentioned young creatives for the panel discussion, <laughs> but you do not have to be young oh, nor no. especially creative to attend. This is open to the public. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, we want a general audience there, and we want people who are in the field there. How know. much does it cost? It is $25 for uh, a whole day of entertainment. It's like it's two bucks deal. an hour if yes. you stay the whole time. <laughs> yes, yes. And there will also be uh, a Fossil Cove beer garden and food trucks to kind of fill in in between time that you might just want to relax. You mentioned Experience Fayetteville. I know um, <laughs> our partners in Campus Radio KXUA yes, they are a big will. part of this. Oh, yes. They are going to have uh, some DJ booths set up in the beer garden, and so that will make it 
kind of an experience just being there, hanging out on the lawn. Again, if it's rainy, we'll probably move them to the Parker Lodge porch so people will still be able to hang out and listen to the DJs. Thank you so much for coming in, and I look forward to seeing you on the 6th. Great. Thank you so much. Jessica DeBarri, the Director of Creative Spaces at Mount Sequoia. The inaugural Amplify Festival is Saturday. That was Headed South by Justin Peter Kinkle Schuster, a friend of Ozarks at Large and one of the artists you'll hear at Amplify Festival this weekend. This is Ozarks at Large. Each month here at KUAF, we host the Lunch Hour. It's free music. It's free lunch. It's hard to beat. While details are not yet finalized on May's event, we wanted to take some time to revisit a performance from March in the lobby of the Carver Center for Public Radio with musical guest Sarah Lilly. Thank you so much. My name is Sarah Lilly, and I want to thank KUAF so much for having me here today. Um, I'm going to sing songs. I'm just going to set the stage a little bit for these songs. So these are all written like late teens, early 20s. I'm still kind of in my early 20s. Um, but so th- these weren't written too long ago. <laughs> and it's a really relevatory time. Um, you learn so much about yourself. You have a lot of firsts. Uh, you learn a lot of lessons. You have a lot of failures. Um, and so the, the whole album, it's called Or Do I? It's a question. Um, it's about those questions and those experiences um, of just growing up and figuring out your identity. So I'm going to start off with a song called Or Do I, the namesake of the album.
with the song Or Do I. You can hear and watch the full performance on KUAF's YouTube channel. In addition to those performances, you can also see the conversation between Sarah Lilly, Sandra Carrasco, the owner of Bites and Bowls based in Springdale, and KUAF's Community Engagement Director, Jasper Logan. You can find the whole back catalog of performances and conversations from the lunch hour 
at KUAF.com slash lunch. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Gravit, and Mayfield. Contributors today include Anna Pope, Kyle Kellums, Pete Hartman, and Daniel Carruth. Additional help provided by KUAR Public Radio in Little Rock. KUAF's underwriting director is Ryan Versi. Today's show was produced inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate New Studio 2. I'm Matthew Moore. We have a jam-packed show for you tomorrow. Timothy Dennis will be joining me to discuss the live music you can't miss this weekend. We'll also hear from Leah Uribe and Sound Perimeter, the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report from Paul Gatling, and much more. We'll play out today with some more music from Sarah Lilly's performance on the lunch hour. Join us back here tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. Until then, be well. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is called Deadlines. Yes. Mm-hmm.